And I'm putting it like on her desk, just drawing dicks, 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 dicks. And this goes on for three months. Then one day she comes into class and there's an overhead projector set up. She walks up and expecting a dick, no dick, she breathes a sigh of relief. And then she turns around and pulls down the screen. <laughs> Boom, permanent marker dick. Two different colors. I even had purple for the vein. Here's the thing, though. She loses her fucking mind. She goes, who is doing this? Which one of you are doing this? Who is doing this? Which one of you are the penis master? Who is the penis master? Where is the penis master? I want to meet the penis master. At this point, there's people coming out of other classrooms like someone's yelling, penis master. There's janners going by like, I'll be your penis master. Who is the penis master? She is on her knees crying, mascara running down her face. I felt so horrible. I finally stood up and I'm like, I am the penis master. She goes, all hail the penis master. I'm like, this is fucking weird. To Bob Seger, to Joe Lewis in this arena, and now me. Paradise! To Michael Okachima smoking sewer caps, a lot of beaters and parking meters. A bunch of bad dudes in the mad room with tattoos. So think twice before you pass through. Or get clapped, black crews get hurt. We can take you for a ride, or take you for your shirt. I did it in the box, I did it in Queens. When you can see me do it, do it out in New Orleans. With your bad backs and greens, I'm a scene of amazement. You'll be picking all your teeth up off the fucking pavement. Cracker with a C, all cracker with the K, cracker motherfucker all goddamn day. You could take crash and sound, but that's a real rough ride. You get foul face down with your pockets hanging out. If heaven in a lot like Detroit, I don't want to go. If heaven in a lot like All right, coming in hot on a Monday evening. There, ba-da. Hello, and welcome to the Po' Boys Podcast. I'm your host, that motherfucker Jody B. And tonight, we have a, an extra special guest, a, a certain particular, uh, another motherfucker uh, from from a rough, rough part of the country. Uh, we were just talking about it as, as the song would ensue all the way from Detroit City. We have comedian, actor, writer, producer... Uh, camera guy, fucking full-time dad, husband, maybe he cuts his own grass, I don't fucking know, he does a little bit of everything. Featured twice on Last Comic Standing, and the current co-host of the Anthony Cumia show, the one and only Mr. Dave Landau. Hello, sir, how are you? Good, man, how about you? I'm fucking peachy. <laughs> I'm glad that we finally made this happen, man. I'm shocked you found a song with Uncle Cracker, Kid Rock, and Paradigm. You like that shit? I've been studying. Up on Detroit. That's impressive. Oh, dude. Uh, I, did, I haven't told a lot of people that, that I was going to meet with you, because here's what happened. Uh, pull back the curtain. Uh, we scheduled this like three weeks ago, but Dave Landau is a busy fucking Maybe guy. Maybe longer. I don't remember. Listen, you're in high demand, and I understand that. So, we've had to put it off a few weeks, and at one point I was telling uh, another friend of mine, and he goes, 
you know, at some time, some point, you, you've got your pride, right? And I go, fuck you, man. <laughs> Dave is a good guy, and I know he's coming. It's actually funny because I put a note here that said, you know, we scheduled it almost three weeks ago, a month ago. And in that last few weeks, I've had time now to go back and actually study up because I didn't know a lot about you, to be honest. You kind of fell into my lap. And I said, well, I've heard of this guy and uh, I've heard you on Legion of Skanks. I listened to that show. Oh, right on. But I've never, I don't have a lot of money. So like pay radio of any kind is kind of not a thing that I can do. So it's like, I've, I've literally never really got to hear you uh, on radio. So this is, it's all been new to me. I went back and listened to some of your stand-up sets and stuff. And it's, you know, I've, you've, you've turned me into a fan, Dave. I think it was a fucking plan. I think you had this whole thing and you know, no, I'm going to keep him on the hook for like three weeks. Fuck this guy. (laughs) Yeah. I like it. So people have to do all the research and can answer their own questions. That way we can keep it short. Right, it helps to cut out all the bullshit, right? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's a trick I pull every time. <laughs> it works. I think I've gotten to the bottom of a few things already, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. But no, man. Yeah, and again, uh, I do apologize. Uh, it's those weird things that yeah. something always likes to come up at the last second, and then you know it's fun. Look, it's like I told you. Uh, if the options are come and hang out with some asshole you've never met or go get a paycheck, uh, yeah, you're supposed to take the paycheck. I probably would talk shit to you if you didn't. Yeah, it would be wrong. I get it. Right. Well, no, man. So this is the deal. I just, I, I'd like to get a few minutes of your time this evening just to kind of talk with you, you know, through sure through thing. the process. I've, I've found out some things about you and I'm interested in you, man. I think that you are a, a certain breed of comedian that, that there's a few of y'all floating around people that have really kind of overcome some shit. You know, you really, from what I understand, have had a very interesting childhood and early life, and you've managed yes. to kind of parlay that into a comedy career. And I feel like you're one of those people who didn't have to put on some bullshit. You kind of just were ready to take on anything that it threw at you because you'd already been through so much bullshit. You were like, come on, motherfucker. And at this point, I, you know, I've always been curious, like, if that's better, you know, for, for somebody to have those kind of experiences and then to come into this profession and just be what what you got. Yeah, I think, it, you know, for what I do on stage, it definitely is. I mean, if you're like a clean comedian like Ryan Hamilton or Regan, probably wouldn't benefit you. Um, but when you go on to do the kind of act that I have that's a little bit darker and a little bit more, I guess, true life than a lot of people. It's, you know, it's definitely, I think you have to have that past to be able to talk about things, you know, especially if you talk about stuff like substance abuse, abuse, uh, mental illness, you know, just different things that you're willing to joke about. You have to have something that has happened to you, I think, that shows that you can back it up. You know, you've got the life scars. You earn them. Shits. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's true. And I, you know that obviously from your experience yeah. and it's like, you know, yeah, you definitely, you, you, yeah, you earned a certain thing, I think to be able to talk about that. I think that some of my favorite comics nowadays are people that have had that, that they've had rough childhood. So, okay. So growing up in Detroit, all right, yeah. I have to assume it's probably already kind of rough. Right. Like we were speaking of your beloved city earlier. Did you know that one day you were going to be living in RoboCop, Detroit? Like that shit got bad fast, didn't it? It did. Uh, Then it, well, I mean, then it got better, but yeah, it's definitely, 
I mean, it's kind of been RoboCop Detroit since 1967, to right, be honest with you. Was, I mean, RoboCop <laughs> in the future was the same as RoboCop in the 80s when they filmed the thing. See, I thought know? they just found a shitty part of town. I didn't realize it was a fucking yeah. reflection. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, uh, I don't even, yeah, I guess everything would have stayed the same in the RoboCop world. They just left so, it. Fuck it. Whatever. It's, good. it's, yeah. it's as good as it's going to get. Leave it. As a kid, like, so were you, like, inner city? Were you outer, kind of in the burbs? Like, where no, was your kind no. of place yeah, in life, I was, man? I, I grew up in uh, Gross Point Woods, Harper Woods area, which is, uh, Gross Point's uh, kind of like an upper middle class um, to very, very wealthy right. kind of area, except where I'm at is, is, I grew up as middle class as you can possibly get. You know, um, and then due to stuff in my past, I mean, we grew up, we had very little when we were kids, uh, until we were a couple years old. Then we had a lot. We were well taken care of, you know, um, but yeah, we were as middle class as you could possibly get. So I grew up in that city, which is right on the border of the east side of Detroit, which at that time was one of the most violent and dangerous neighborhoods in the world. So if you needed beer, drugs, access to anything, all you had to do was cross the street because one side's Detroit, the other side's Gross Point, and they're right next to each other. It's just a, it's, it's, it's literally one street goes from a very horrible neighborhood to a very nice neighborhood. It happens a lot in those big cities, man. I've got some family in St. Louis, and it's, dude, where all that shit popped off in Ferguson, it's, you know, three uh, three blocks from million-dollar, three-story basement home. It's crazy how right. uh, how that poverty line, man, that thing can, can cause some real conflict. <laughs> yeah, and it's so rare, rare that it's literally a line, you know? Um, it's really... There's there's so few places, yeah, that have that where it's just a matter of, okay, well, this zip code ends right here and, you know, the taxes go up, people are safer, there's more police, you know, like just the patrolled side, taking care of side does just fine. And the other side is one of, you know, a nightmare. Yeah, just shit on fire all the time. Whatever. We just leave yeah, it. Yeah. It'll burn out. Fuck it. <laughs> I, uh, and if your trash doesn't get picked up, you just drive it to the middle of a field where there's fucking roaming gangs of pit bulls, and you throw it out there, and you leave. Yeah, because why not? That's that's where we burn trash at. Fine. <laughs> exactly. I love it, man. I love that there's a certain kind of griminess that you only find in certain parts of the country. I'm in Arkansas, so I'm telling you, I'm I'm drop forged in it down here. And uh, sure, I don't know. Like as a kid, I feel like. I didn't get into as much shit as I probably could have because I had a, a really crazy ruler in the house who liked to beat the fuck out of me. So I was more the other side. Like, I, I stayed inside a lot. A lot of uh, isolation from people. Were you more of, like, the, you know, show-out kind of guy? I've heard a lot of your stories. Were you driven by anything in particular to do all the crazy shit that you did as a younger kid? Oh, sure. Um, my dad was in Vietnam, and he got Agent Orange, which ended up getting stuff cell sarcoma, form of brain cancer from. My dad did really well and then when I was 13 years old, he started getting these really bad headaches and he developed a, a brain tumor. And my dad was like our hero. He coached all of our baseball teams, all that stuff. Like He was the guy who took my friends and I out to movies. He was just the best dad and he had such a big part of my life and then through the next couple of years i mean they had to live in boston a little while so he could get um treatment at cambridge hospital they had to live in houston ann arbor you know different places i was left alone with people yeah i was left alone you know in detroit 
with like my aunt and actually, and then my aunt actually committed such a long story. Sorry, but my aunt. No, keep uh, talking. That's what I'm here for, man. I, I'm like, interested. I want to hear this shit. Yeah, my aunt had committed suicide, and then so I ended up living with another one of my aunts, and then my parents would come back and fo- come back and forth, and my dad died. So like the whole time this was going on, my family was kind of falling apart. Yeah, I didn't really know what was going on. Drugs were really tempting. I was sad and didn't understand anything. And that's when I started just, just going falling into it. it and doing yeah. it. And it's just self-medicating. So even if you're saying, I'm very much an introvert. I think most comics are. Yeah. Um, you can tell the ones that are super high energy and, and not. But uh, I'm definitely an introvert. And then going into this social kind of middle school age where I realized being funny would help me out and when I was in yeah when I was in middle school um <clears throat> sorry I got a frog in my throat it's a cock I got yeah. a big cock in my throat I was gonna say it but uh, you know I don't yeah. know you that well sorry. but it was it's, coming it's very hard to be interviewed while blowing a guy yeah um, take it easy man you know take your time I don't want you to rush you can, I, you can get I it all in there bro <laughs> yeah I get worked up yeah so my uh my dad yes yeah, so my dad passed away and I just well, see, I heard I on another story. Did you say that your aunt committed suicide while you were with her? Wasn't that it was or a baby? You said Correct. somebody. Yeah, that's a crazy story. How old she were you like when a, that happened? She was like a babysitter, but she was, was the one since I was a little kid. So we called her an aunt. And yeah. yeah, she uh, she was a drug addict. She was stealing medicine from a hospital. So she went back to her house and you know offed herself because she was going to be arrested and tried. Can I ask you a weird question just from that? No. How many dead bodies have you seen in your life, Dave? Oh, I don't know, including the ones uh, in my garage and under my porch. That's the Benet ones I have in my wall. Um, <laughs> I, uh, That's a heavy thing, man. Not a lot of people get I mean, more are getting it now, but back in our day, uh, you people might hang themselves once in a while and shit like that. But to see somebody just go for it one day and just you walk in on somebody who's, who's just, there they are. <laughs> you know, that's... Yeah, it's a no, lot. It's a uh, it's a very difficult thing, and uh, yeah, back then, as weird as that sounds, talking about the '90s, I'm sure it was just as prevalent. But oh yeah, now now it's very noticeable. I I mean, there's so it's so constant now. It seems like it's happening more than ever. I people, think it's dude. People are dropping like a, fucking flies, people are almost right? Desensitized. Yeah, people are almost desensitized to it. But I mean, if you would have brought up suicide, at least maybe this is me, but 20 years ago, it would seem like a very heavy subject. And now it just kind of feels like uh, that's what some people do. Yeah, some people just quit, man. I don't know. I've I've yeah. gotten to a point where I don't. I don't want to say I don't care. It makes me sad. It really does. And you know, I'm. I don't know through your stuff if you've ever had like a, a close call. You know, like a real almost died moment. But that I think really oh, shake yeah. you down to the core. Like you realize I got to stay here. Night. Yeah, and, and if you've got one right off the top, I'd love to hear it. It's that's another one of those things. Like I believe that there are people in this world who gain perspective from things like that. And it's like, you can't explain that to somebody that's never experienced it. Like a car accident. If you've never just wrecked and flipped a fucking car, you're not going to understand what that's like. Absolutely. But it gives you a perspective and a respect for life and driving (laughs) that makes you a different person. I think everybody should have a close call. (laughs) 
yeah, I mean, and I've had them on the road. I've had them, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of them. I, I think, you know, I, I do often wonder how I'm still alive when I look back at a lot of the stuff. Because, I mean, I was arrested 13 times. and That's so many times. 12 Dave. the times. <laughs> oh, it's insane, dude. And then 12 of them. It, even when I say it out loud. It, it's it, a whole people, lot. Holy, do you, do you know how many, listen, I have black listeners, Dave. Do you know how many oh, of yeah. my black listeners are gonna hear that you got arrested 13 times and you're fucking sitting here talking to me on a fucking podcast on a oh. monday night oh yeah dude. yeah i completely <laughs> am aware that it's uh what we would call white privilege and i want to say that i think that's wrong now that i've gotten my life together yeah but at the time man. i'm i'm happy it worked out the way right. it did. i mean i can't you guys can't claim white privilege if i don't have it so you know what i mean Hit for chat i did have another one just looking into your stuff you have a twin brother is that correct i do what is the question you guys have gotten asked the most is there um, one that jumps out at you like anytime you've met somebody that goes oh you've got a twin what is the dot 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 next thing they fucking say Usually, are you identical? It's not bad. Which is always a fascinating question because we're usually both standing right there. Um, I don't. And know. We uh, we're not identical, right? So I uh, I'm so glad we're not identical. I think it's weird. It's kind of creepy, right? Yeah, I don't want somebody who looks just like me. Unfortunately, I started doing drugs and smoking three packs of cigarettes a day when I was young, and my brother grew a lot taller than I did, so we don't look alike at all anymore. Yeah. Having uh, that's a fun thing to like, just oh, I got a twin brother, and that's I always imagine. I think the Scalar brothers did a bit about it where they were talking about usually people say something like, Oh, have you guys ever, you know, like one night you're banging your chick, and then like your brother goes in there and they're like, Oh, you mean rape somebody? No, yeah. no, I haven't fucking done that ever. Not that I'm gonna tell you about right now, anyway, you motherfucker. <laughs> Come on, yeah, man. I love that. Yeah, it's. <laughs> That's a fun thing, and uh, it's got to be interesting, the the question. So I guess it, it really is a good thing that y'all aren't, like, identical. That'd be fucking weird, right? <laughs> just to have a yeah, dude yeah. that looks just like you. It'd be even weirder for two to be identical and agree on rape. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's bad Shit. enough that one of you really wants it, but you're both monsters. I bet you there are twins out there that have played that trick. Absolutely. They'd probably, probably tag out like fucking WWF. <laughs> they just reach behind yeah. them. <laughs> and there's probably chicks out there that would be okay with it. Let's be completely honest. Like, whatever. Your brother. It's fine. Or it could be uh, like the Joe Pesci episode of Tales from the Crypt, where he is a twin, or he's uh, one man having an affair with twins, Right. But they think he's different guys because he disguises himself by putting on a ponytail and dating them at separate times. Oh, so that's the reverse. Joe Pesci with a ponytail just blew my mind a little bit. That's old school, bro. I think you should watch it. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm about to look else. it up. You don't get to see Joe Pesci with a ponytail very often. Speaking of, uh, we were talking about twin rape. I, I've, yes. I've looked through a lot of your stuff, man. And I've got to say, uh, you're, this is not happening. I thought was pretty fucking good, man. I'm assuming that, uh, that a lot of that is a real story. That's not fabricated much, if any, uh, with the, the content you were delivering on that piece. I recommend everybody go watch it. Uh, <laughs> no, that's, uh, that is real. The, the bong of fifth into the mental hospital has a uh, middle part that kind of segues two nights together. Yeah. Um, but that's it, one story all true in and of itself. And then the penis master is 
that's word. That's every second of that happened, just like I I say it. And I mean, I had so many students from my school just hitting me up after that, like, holy shit, I was there. You know, like they were in Nam with me. It was just such a ridiculous thing that happened. <laughs> it's amazing. And only and if you were, in, yeah, it was incredible. It was one of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> Weird as that sounds. Dave is the penis master. Yep. Uh, dude, and there was one other one that I wanted to compliment you on. You know, I, I'm assuming at this point you're you're a happily married man. Uh, maybe not happy. Yeah. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Shit gets weird. There was as happy joke. as a married man can be. There was a joke that you said that made me laugh. And I'm not just – I'm going to get off your jokes after this, but this is one that just as a, as a married man, as a father, it touched me. And I go, I love this fucking dude. That's the funniest shit. You were you were doing a bit, and you said something about it was something about coming on your wife's face. Shouldn't do that. I thought I'd try it. Something along those lines, and you said, "I thought I'd give it a shot." Turns out she didn't like it because it woke her up. Yes, that shit made me laugh so fucking hard, Dave. Like every dude I I I know has we has thought about like yeah whatever, see what happens, and uh, yeah. yeah, it's you just don't. <laughs> And sure. <laughs> the most opportune time would be while she's sleeping. Because what's she going to do? She's asleep. She's snoring. Black. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Then you get just Spider-Man or Faith. Yeah. By the way, my favorite uh, wacky sex term thing of all time thus far is Spider-Man. That's I haven't heard anything funnier than that. Everything is imaginative and it's colorful with all the shit and piss and cum and all the weird names you give it. But Spider-Man is the most real and the funniest fucking thing I think you could possibly do. And pretty degrading to another human being to actually just whip off a load right in somebody's grill. Like, that's that's disrespectful, Dave. It's not. It, it is very. It's not as disrespectful or as funny to me as a Blumpkin. You ever got your dick sucked while you're taking a shit, Dave? Um, usually between Lent <laughs> and Easter. It'll happen once. Uh, bless your heart, man. Uh, you, no, you got a trooper. God, no. <laughs> I know you're fucking I lying, but I, I feel you, man. I, I feel I you for going for it. I, there's no reason anyone should want that, especially her. Listen, okay, so or him. I don't want to degrade or it, whatever people se- want to be called now. Segway, just uh, just a common thing that I've heard at this point. I know. Uh, uh, We've been together almost 10 years. I don't know how long you've been married or together and all that good shit. How long have you been there, Dave? How long have you been in the trenches? Uh, married 11, together 15. Fuck yeah. Okay. Do you guys uh, use the bathroom in front of each other? Like, do you shit and stuff? Or do you guys keep that like your own private time at this point? Uh, we keep the shitting private time. Absolutely. Dave, I'm telling you, there's something to that. I, I've never met a couple... That openly shat in front of each other that fucking stayed together. I don't know what to tell you. They man. shouldn't. We, well, they're both terrible people. That is, listen, I am a trash human being, but for the love of God, I've shit outside. You know what I'm saying? Plenty of times. I'm not above it. I will not shit if my wife is anywhere in the room with me. That's fucking crazy. And I would give her the same benefit. I have Ugh. I have shit on a golf course <laughs> because it came out of nowhere. Did you shit in the cup? Because that's the proper place to shit. As a comic, Dave, I think the proper place to shit is in the cup. 
Yeah. I just, I ran into the woods and by woods, I mean like, you know, a couple of shrubs between holes <laughs> and, uh, just let her rip out there wiping your ass with a sock. That's I terrible. Believe, yes, <laughs> I did. And, uh, then I immediately went home so I could, uh, <laughs> take a shower and not itch. But, uh, yeah, it was, Oh God. Yeah. I've taken shits in terrible places. But you don't do that in front of somebody you love. I think it's a golden rule of marriage, and I think it should never be crossed. So that's just the opinion of two old some, you know, married guys. Anybody that happens to hear this, don't shit in front of your spouse. It's nasty. God, that is fucking gross. <laughs> Got me off on a tangent. I'm actually angry right now. Yeah, I just I don't get it. Like, hey, what's up? <laughs> so I, I have another note here, and I'm just I'm curious. How long have you been doing comedy, Dave? Like, total? About uh, 16-ish years, something like that. It's a long time. Man. It is, yes. I know that you're on the show with Kumia now. Yes. And I kind of know the situation with, I guess, Artie was there, and then he kind of fell off and all this stuff. You know, I get that. Politics, whatever. Hmm. So, where you're at now, I'll say this. If you look online and you look up Dave Landau, it's 50-50. <laughs> There's some people say you're the one of the nicest people and one of the greatest dudes and funniest shit. And there's other people that hope you get hit by cars, set on fire, yes. and raped yeah. after you're dead. So, yes. I guess that's a good thing, you know. Uh, I, after hearing your material, I'm sure that you're able to uh, to to volley very well with somebody i guess of of kumia's stat he's a fucking radio legend that and uh, probably crazier than most people so i i can't imagine what it would be like to sit and actually have to volley with that man on a a, a weekly basis <laughs> that's that sounds oh, terrifying the <laughs> yeah the constant judging and hate and praise and very yeah yeah it's very interesting man. it's uh yeah, it sucks. So I mean, it's it's fine, but yeah, I mean, some people are gonna hate you. That's just life. Like that's never bothered me. But yeah, they have a very passionate group of people who uh, exist to hate everything Opie and Anthony. Yeah. You know, it's a very it's very bizarre, man. I don't I don't know why people spend who why they spend this insane amount of time worrying about a radio show that hasn't been on in years and every subsidiary of it. It's, it's just, I don't even know so much. It, it, it doesn't even bother me what they say. It just bothers me that that's their life. There's some motherfuckers that are deep, man. You, you're dealing with it. Okay. So being in the crossfire of that whole situation, like I, I'm not going to turn this into a fucking O and a session or anything. I honestly miss the boat. Like I said, I've never paid for radio shit. I'd never heard an episode of Opie and Anthony. Uh, I'd listen to, there's a show, it's kind of a, a mutual friend, I guess, between us and the network is, uh, who are these podcasts? Do you know who that is? Carl from over there that yes. did the show? Yeah, yeah. Carl's an awesome guy, and I've had some conversations with him. Yes, he is. And uh, I heard his episode on Opie, you know, and I was listening to it, and then I, I heard what, what Anthony said about it, and looked some stuff online, and... Now, I am a fan of that show, but also, I don't want to say I hate Opie, but I kind of, listen, call a spade a spade, I've seen some bum motherfuckers in my life 
I'm not saying he's the worst, sure. but what I'm saying is, is from the outside looking in, as a person who's not biased, because I don't know the fucking guy, I feel like he was very, very under-talented for the amount of fame that they got, and Anthony is a very funny person. And then Jim Norton came in, and I think that that show got really big, and he got the ego. Anthony got the ego. They fell out, and now people are starting to see, if they're willing to look at it, the fact that he kind of sucks. It's a, it's weird to say because regardless of where anybody thinks his talent was at, like I've never met the guy. I'm just saying this is a fan. He was originally the one in radio who opened the door. Absolutely. So then he brought in Anthony and, you know, they, Opie also brought in Jimmy, you know, to Opie's benefit, really. That was even more Opie than Anthony. And, you know, it's, I, I mean, it makes sense why he was along for the ride and how long it existed. But like I said, I don't know him, so it's hard to say. And I know there's obviously a huge rift between yeah, well, you're kind of you're fucking crossfire, like, man. I, I can't imagine the conversations you've gotten into about it. Like, I'm trying to be polite and not make you have to step on anybody's goddamn toes. But you have a movie, uh, Dave, yes. the, the King of Detroit. Yep, that's right. I saw today that it's on Amazon Prime. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Guys, if you have Amazon Prime, you can go watch Dave's movie, the King of Detroit. I'm probably going to watch it tonight. I'm so happy. Tell me about this. Is your ultimate goal to, to get into film and stuff like that? Is that the next step for you? Um, it's something that I definitely enjoy doing. And now that the movie did get picked up for distribution and then ended up on Amazon Prime, I'm going to start putting money together to make another film for sure. I mean, I've already written another feature. Um, I should say I and my writing partner, Ken, who uh, directed the movie. Yeah. And we already have... In another half of you know half of another one written, so it's definitely something that I want to continue to do. I don't know if it's something that I look at as if it could be a livelihood, but right. I really do enjoy making a low budget movie and putting it out there. I mean, that movie cost seven thousand dollars. That was it. We shot it in thirteen days. That's pretty good. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate. Holy that. shit! It's like we. I mean, and. We bought that that LeBaron. That was nine hundred bucks itself, and then with all the clutches we burnt on it, that was another like five hundred. And that was just for the car in the movie, you know. So we we ate into that budget very fast. I drove a Chrysler LeBaron once uh, for a few months. It was so. It was you mean thing. you felt like God for a minute, man? Here's the problem with the Chrysler LeBaron. <laughs> <laughs> everything everything did you ever fucking just die like, and i don't mean i've heard you say that it made noises and weird shit like that i didn't have all the electrical shit so none of my shit made noise but mine would sometimes just die and you sit there and you would crank the fuck out of it the windshield wipers broke one time i was i had to go to work i worked like 20 miles away and i was just i was young dave and i hated being at home so i was like i'm going to work fuck it wipers are busted it starts raining I'm telling you, as I sit here right now, I'm driving down the freeway, doing 60 miles an hour, with my arm out the window, with a squeegee, going, Eek! trying to get somewhere in that goddamn Chrysler LeBaron. Don't you tell me about this shit quality. <laughs> Jesus. Was yours a convertible? No, I had the, uh, the it was uh, burgundy. And had like a like a wine colored, uh, soft, squishy kind of back top thing. Now I will say this. Oh, now do you know what that's called? What's tell me what it is? 
That's called the Landau roof. The Landau roof. roof. They were. <laughs> That's actually kind what of it squishy. is. I swear to God, if you Google Landau roof, it's when half the top of the car is that plushy, squishy material. That might have just made my day, man. The, that's hilarious. You I can actually see that. the name written in gold on many <laughs> 80s cars. The name Landau. I had it's two. Fantastic. I loved it. It's, just, it's not a hard top. It's not a convertible. It's just that squishy shit. Yeah. Yep. It doesn't go down, but it looks like it might. I had the, day, the shit hanging from the ceiling liner, and the paint was all fucked up in the middle of the hood. Yeah, man. It yep. was, it was yeah, a cherry. And, and I don't think any car in the 80s had ceiling liner that lasted more than 11 minutes, though. Yeah. I'm glad they finally... In the 90s. <laughs> it's the worst. You they, just start they, they, they discovered glue. They came out with hybrids before they figured out ceiling liner. Oh, man. How many times you got your ass beaten for writing your goddamn name in the shit above the car, just sitting there because you're bored in a fucking Walmart parking lot, frying to death? Fuck, man. I have one more thing that I like to ask just when I get the, the, the pleasure of meeting with professional comics. Uh, can you remember a time like I want like a best, either a best performance or like a moment that you've had? Because I know you guys don't get to brag a lot. It's a humble game, man. So you kind of got to, you know, take your licks. But is there a time in your career that you've kind of done something now and you can step back and look at it and go, that's pretty cool. Like that's that's something that I really am glad that I was a part of. Absolutely, uh, a few things. You know, um, doing this is not happening for Comedy Central and putting out a story about my sobriety and a very honest and real thing that when I started my career, I don't think I would have been able to share or know how to write into words. And I got to look at the fact that I did that. You know. Um, that's definitely something that's very cool. And I got to open for Dave Chappelle once in front of 7,000 people who was my comedy hero uh, growing up. But Dave was uh, in high school. I had, or like right, maybe it was like right at the end of high school, um, we had Killing Them Softly and on a burnt CD that I think we stole from Napster. And I just remember we would drive around, get high, and just listen to that thing. And I got to, a few years later, I'm opening for him. It was insane. That's amazing. I bet there's some Dave yeah. on Dave love at that fucking show, huh? <laughs> I'm kind of just yeah, like, you nice. motherfucker, come here. So, best of times, worst of times. Has there been a moment... Like I understand bombing and shit like that, but I'm talking about like, have you had have you had one yet that almost sent you home, or one that was just kind of like, fuck, man, <laughs> that wasn't good. Have you have you been punched on stage? That's usually a good one. No, I um, I mean the one that I would say would probably be when I got two things. One was eliminated from Last Comic Standing because Roseanne claims she didn't get a joke, you know, because it was such a public thing. But yeah, I've also, the first time I ever did stand-up where I was being paid, I was going to MC a show. And it was during the World Series in the sports bar. So we pleaded with, uh, we're like, yeah, we are on the owner, like, maybe we don't shut off all the TVs until the game's over. So he shuts down all the TVs, the whole place is booing, and he yeah. tells me to go up on stage. And as I grab the mic, I go, uh, how's everybody doing tonight? A bottle shattered right behind me. <laughs> I was like, son of a bitch. Oh, I no. Good night, everybody. And I yeah. walked off stage. And uh, that was the first time he paid MC to saying, you know, how's everybody doing? Then goodbye, everybody. It was a very short set. That is the quickest um, money you made, though, right? 
You fucking yeah, it was crazy <laughs> though, man. It was. Uh, it, it, then the guy's turning back on the TVs. He's like, "I didn't think that would happen." It's like, dude, it's a sports bar on the World Series. Yeah, you kind of there's some shitty planning, I guess. So having a it bottle almost whipped by your head—that's a good. It's a good one. <laughs> yeah, fortunately, it didn't hit me in the face, but it you know, or like fucking anywhere. Right. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, just sort of, it happened behind me, because you're on a stage that's not well lit, and all of a sudden something just shatters, you know? Can I tell you something, like a thought that I had, and as a being a comic where you, you understand, we got one club here, man, maybe two, you know? There's not a lot of it happening. You guys are kind of in uh, an epicenter of it. Sure. I had this thought. We were talking about the origins of stand-up comedy and shit like that. You know, there's all kinds of people that make this, that, and the other, blah, blah, what the fuck. So, one of the things that we came across were court gestures. Remember? The guys dancing around and shit in front of kings, acting, oh, yeah, telling jokes and shit. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, a common practice was when the court jester wasn't funny, people would throw shit at him. Like a tomato or what the fuck. It was, you know, nasty shit, fruit, whatever. Feces. Dave... What if you had a comedy club and you built, let's say, like a bulletproof cylinder stage and you gave people objects to throw at the comic? Now, obviously, you wouldn't get hit with anything, but I feel like that could be fun to go in and just Bill Burr light somebody on fire, (laughs) wherever the fuck it happens to be. And just have a room full of people. You go full heel, Dave. Fuck you. Fuck you. I hope you get raped in the parking lot, you fucking bitch. Like, and you just go hammer time. I think that could be fun once, right? Maybe you don't want to be yeah, the comic getting it, but. I, <laughs> I don't know if it should really be a, a permanent club where it happens every weekend. But yeah, I think if you had, you know, the cylinder night, the yeah. bulletproof cylinder night, <laughs> it seems like you something. You definitely hey. draw. If you got a flyer Maybe a that said, show? if you got a flyer that said to come to Bulletproof Cylinder Night at the fucking <laughs> the underground, like what fuck, and you wouldn't go to that. Shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anybody, you wouldn't even know it was a comedy show. You just say come to Bulletproof Cylinder Night and throw shit, and people would show up and be like, "Oh, it's a comedy." Okay, cool. Can I throw some shit? How much is it to throw shit? It's exactly seventy five dollars for a basket of shit. Would you like to buy a basket of shit to throw? Yeah, man. See, I think it could be a beautiful thing. You got to make sure that the tickets pay for at least, you know, you got to kind of up. Yeah, 75 is a good thing. You got to buy tomatoes and eggs. <laughs> All right. You know, it's, it's worth your, you got to invest. You got you to gotta spend money to make money. That's I, what I'm saying. I'm just the idea guy, Dave, but it's out there now. Maybe we can manifest it. Uh, All right. Thank well, you. I'm already making the flyers. So. I love it. <laughs> I'm I'm booking the plane ticket. You know, I get a GoFundMe from Arkansas. That'll be a hefty fucking plane ride. I appreciate you coming to spend your time with me this evening, sir. And it's been a pleasure getting to talk to you. And uh, do me a favor if you have uh, you know handles, plugs, anything you want to get out, promote. Do that now if you don't mind, so I can let you get the hell out of here. Uh, CompoundMedia.com or download the Kumia app uh, if you want to subscribe. It's $8 a month with 20% off uh, with code COMPOUND20 with a capital C. Also, Amazon Prime. Check out my movie, The King of Detroit. Um, It's available for free right now with your Prime membership. And, yeah, that's it. I love it. Dave, 
have a good one, man. Thank you for coming Thank to you. talk with me. Thanks, man. And that was my conversation with comedian Dave Landau. Nice guy. Um, it was a little different than normal. I think I, uh, I fucked up a little because normally I will just jump in and uh, not know too much. But uh, I got to study up on him a little bit. And I think it actually made me a little bit nervous. But I had a lot of fun. And uh, thank you very much, sir. I appreciate your time. So I got a little bit of time here and uh, just wanted to tell you something funny that I thought you might want to check out. It, it amused me. Uh, I'll save you the time if you don't want to. Uh, <laughs> so I see this picture the other day on the Internet. It's uh, a bunch of doctors standing around a face on a table. And I said, what the fuck is that? Looks like something out of a horror movie. Well, what it was was a face transplant surgery uh, at the point where they had taken some cadaver lady's face off and uh was taking pictures of it <laughs> for documentation somebody posted the documentary in the chat that you know the, the comment section so i had to check that out and come to find out what had happened was it was a uh, young lady actually a good looking chick it's it's really kind of a sad story man like i guess uh popular chick cheerleader maybe and had a bad day went home and decided she was going to shoot herself and, uh, you know how it happens sometimes, man, you don't put the shit right. You just blow the whole front of your face off. Well, she did that. And her parents came home and found her, thought that, you know, she was dead basically. And, uh, come to find out not dead, just, you know, blew her face off. So they were able to save some of it, but basically she had like a pug face like, that's the closest thing I could think of, really, when I saw it. Like, a pug or, like, a sock puppet. Like, it's just, it was rough, guys. And, you know, I've, I've dealt with some shit in my day, so I'm not trying to speak ill of this girl, bless her heart. But that shit was tough. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so, that was 2014 when that happened. And so, two years later, she, I guess, had healed to the point that they were ready to uh, try to give her a reconstructive surgery. So they literally did a face off. Like they had this lady who I'm assuming died of natural causes, uh, probably 40 or 50 year old woman. And this, this teenage girl got, uh, (laughs) this 50 year old lady's face. Now the, the surgery itself looked remarkable. There's a lot of tools, a lot of time. And they basically constructed her face with cadaver bone transplant, all this, man, it was, it was insane. So they put this new face on her and she looks like a person wearing a person face mask. Like that, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just, it's tough when you see it at first because you're like, damn, it just looks like a person like, like Quagmire from Family Guy. You know, it's just, damn. Cut to a couple years after the fact. Some of the swelling's gone down. It's still kind of rough. I mean, I know that there's a lot of nerve endings and shit that don't really connect in that kind of a situation. So, uh, yeah. She goes to meet the mother of the cadaver, who was the person who donated the face. And... 
when she gets to the door, and this this whole thing led up to this payoff, guys. I'm sitting on the couch watching TV, and I'm enamored with this program. I'm balls deep. I'm a little sad. I'm amazed. I'm watching and all. And this woman answers the door. Doorbell, ding dong. Opens the door. And the young lady, wearing the face of her dead daughter, is standing there. And she goes, Happy Mother Day! Man. I almost died. I literally, the rest of the evening, could not stop talking about it. I just look at my wife out of nowhere and go, she blew her face off. We actually banged a little later that evening. And uh, I said, after the fact, when she got up to go to the bathroom, I said, but she blew her whole face off. She was like, will you shut the fuck up about it? Like, it was, it got intense. I had a revelation yesterday. Uh, Matter of fact, having sex, well, about to have sex with my wife. We were talking, and she said to me, she says, you know, you really don't talk a lot during sex. And I, I said, you know, guys in general don't talk a lot during sex. She said, why do you think that is? I said, well, I know I don't. And it's mainly because the more I talk, the more likely chance I'm going to say something that's going to dec- decrease my chances of getting some pussy. <laughs> and in my world... Sometimes you just need to shut the fuck up. So that's what I do. I got four sayings. Yeah. Oh, fuck. I'm coming. And that's that. Y'all, it's good to be back. And uh, I'm proud to announce you are now listening to the operator and the <laughs> the captain of the Not Safe for Work, the NSFW Podcast Network. And uh, it's, it's really new for me and it's going to take a little getting used to but i think it'll be fun um you know if you listen to my show you follow along you're no stranger to our little reindeer games i have a very interesting group of people that i've associated myself with and we're building kind of like teams just to to do these fun little competitions and things and trying to keep shit interesting and produce content for you motherfuckers to listen to so You'll be happy to know that I will be heading up uh, one pillar of the podcast Circle Jerk moving forward. I'm not sure what the plan is yet. (laughs) So don't DM me. Don't ask. I'll call you, motherfucker. But that's that. Y'all, thanks for listening. I appreciate it. You all be sure to like and follow Dave. Listen to the Anthony Cumia show. Uh... You know, you can follow our show if you like. <laughs> it's not as interesting, I guess, but it's fun. Uh, po Boy Pod uh, at Jody B 501 if you want to get a hold of me. And, uh, yeah, shout out to the sponsors. SpunkLube.com. Hashtag SpunkLube. Get some slippery on your dick. Wonderful stuff. Get your fuck on. And also, BioBidet.com. Shout out, guys. Uh, you know the deal. Promo code POBOYS will get you 10% off everything in the store. They offer a wide range of products and utensils for cleaning your booty hole and all kinds of other things around your house. They are the masters of disasters. <laughs> they uh, they will definitely be able to equip you for any kind of water-related cleaning needs. So be sure to check them out. Get your discount, motherfucker. And that's it. Tell your friends, tell your mama, tell your friends, mama about the show. B
bitch. <laughs> Let's spread the word, spread the love. We're going to start building up a network. We're going to start getting ready to get into some collaborative shit with all these other motherfuckers involved. But, I mean, we're all still part of the networks, guys. You know what I'm saying? You guys be sure to check out Drama City Productions. Uh, you know, they haven't kicked me out yet, <laughs> so I'll still happily uh, support them. Uh, also, the Civilized Creatures Network, be sure to check them out. Uh, Unbelievably Stupid Podcast, Married as Fuck, Blunt Mommy. There's a lot of good stuff there. So, all the friends, all the family, Inner Circle. Oh, guys, we can have peace in the valley. We brought the ship back to the harbor. So now we're going to start the hassle fun again, guys. Yay! Bartender, I really did it this time. Broke my parole to have a good time. When I got home, it was 6 a.m. The door was locked, so I kicked it in. She was tripping on the bills. I think she was high on some pills. She threw my shit out into the yard. Then she called me a bum and slapped me real hard And in my drunken stupor I did what I should have never done Now I'm sitting here talking to you Shit and then stepped away. Nah, nah.